Welcome to the Coffee with COVID-19 podcast. My name is Patrick Rolf, and this is an ongoing media project where we use conversations with some of the leading entrepreneurs and thinkers within the coffee industry to try to understand a sustainable way through living together with our new reality, COVID-19. So welcome back to uh, the second episode of Coffee with COVID-19 here in April. Uh, our goal with this kind of podcast series is to try to investigate and create some kind of foundation of experiences and ideas in regards to how this industry is dealing with COVID-19 the way uh, it's happening to us now. And we want to discuss what's happening right now rather than what's happening in the future and try to give you as broad spectrum of ideas and perspective as we can. Now with us today, um, for the second time when it comes to podcast here in April, which we're very thankful for, uh, Mr. Tim Menebo from Oslo. Good to see you again. Good to see you too. <laughs> How are you? Uh, well, under the circumstances, I'm doing very well. I think I had uh, the opportunity to take a vacation this year because of the COVID. So. Uh... Yeah, it's uh, it's been a good year for me personally, but uh, you know, we'll dig into the business side of it, uh, I guess, during this podcast. Definitely, we'll do that, and we'll we'll also if you depending on how much you want to as well. It's always interesting to hear on the personal side as well. I talked to uh, Sasa from Australia earlier as well in the first episode, and and he also had some really interesting remarks on the the personal side versus the business side, right? And and the kind of stress that comes with this whole. Um, whole process but let's dig into the first question um, and it's very simple it's just what was your initial reactions to COVID-19 like when did you hear about it what did you do did you do anything did you believe it to be a thing or did you just disregard it well uh, I remember I heard about it quite early actually while I was in uh, I think I was in Kenya or or I just came from Kenya and we started hearing about uh, this kind of new kind of swine flu or bird flu kind of uh, virus and then uh, as I had already booked a couple of um, trips both to Colombia and to Central America um, I was kind of uh, watching it a little bit from uh, from the side and didn't really think it would be a pandemic for sure but because uh, uh, I can't like I can't really remember the the SARS outbreak and how that affected the world. I remember it was a thing, but I, I was not aware that it was such a serious thing. And um, But once I was in uh, Central America, that's when we started to see that it, or people were talking about it being a pandemic and we were already kind of on our way there, um, being quite anxious. I was traveling with uh, one of my roasters, Marit, to El Salvador. And... Uh, so we started to kind of get a little, not paranoid, but uh, uh, we were washing our hands more uh, on the airport and, and doing stuff like that. And uh, when I came home from that trip, uh, it only took one or two days. And then the news broke in the Norwegian uh, news, evening news, that uh, the country had to shut down because of the pandemic. And then I realized how serious it was. And since I just came back from, uh, from a long trip, I had to be in quarantine. Uh, while trying to kind of manage m my business and see, you know, we had to shut down at least for the first week. Um, and just kind of trying to, to, to make sense of it all. 
And when you say it's shut down, was that shut down both in the, the roastery and the, in your shop as well? Or? Um, that was uh, what we were a little unsure of because uh, when the news broke, it was kind of vague uh, if we were able to be open or not. Because since we're just a coffee shop, we only serve coffee. Uh, we don't serve any food. The government said, you know, any business or any cafe that serves food can be open. But uh, when you don't serve food, you have to shut down. So uh, we, we shut down the store immediately until we kind of could figure out how we could stay open. And of course, the roastery, we, we realized, you know, all the offices were closed that we delivered to. All the restaurants were more or less closed that we delivered to. So we realized, you know, the, there's not going to be any roasting the following week. <laughs> so I think we, we roasted just one day, uh, like half a day. And then... It was really heavy the first weeks, and then uh, we decided to to open the store for uh, selling beans two days a week, um, which worked really well because a lot of people needed coffee in their home office, and uh, we realized how much uh, more we could sell in the web shop because all of a sudden people were ordering a lot in the web shop. So uh, very soon, like the we were. Kind of back to roasting a full day a week and uh, selling quite a lot of coffee, but differently. So, um, yeah, it was uh, challenging, I have to say. And the, I think the most kind of uh, serious thing for me, at least, was uh, that I had to l tell a lot of my employees that I didn't have work for them, which you know, never in my dreams would I have thought that I would ever say that to any of my employees because. I'm a kind of a op opportunistic and optimistic guy. So for me, I kind of have always planned for the company to grow organically, not huge amount of growth, but uh, grow slowly. And uh, so there should always be work for our employees. And, and, and we, you know, the only way is to kind of hire more instead of like going the opposite way. So mm. it was quite difficult, but fortunately the Norwegian government uh, were able to give the everyone uh, paid salary while they were on leave uh, for, I think, six months. So uh, that really made it a lot easier to tell my employees that, you know, I don't have work for you at the moment. And uh, so I knew that they would at least survive economically, you know. How, how many, like, what was the, the lowest amount of staff that did, did you were down? Like, were you down at basically yourself or, or did you have some people still kind of working in the company or...? Well, uh, for a couple of weeks, it was just me and Ben. <laughs> yeah. And then we had one more person coming in on the roast day. But, um, uh, well, we had, it's not entirely true because uh, Christina, our wholesale uh, support, was working from home, but only 50%. And uh, so we had this kind of, uh, some people were working half time instead of full time. And mm. uh, some people weren't working at all. Um, but, uh, it, you know, I was, working very, very long days here in the roastery with Ben uh, just to make ends meet. We had to you know, pack all the wholesale orders, pack all the web shop orders, plan for the roast daily, label all the bags, you know, measure all the batches. Answering, you know, we got several hundreds emails every day during the shutdown because people were waiting for their coffee and the yeah, postal service shut down as well. So, you know, we, after a while, we just got more and more emails and I, I spent the whole day and the whole evening just answering while trying to manage the business and you know helping out. So 
it was a lot of work and uh, a lot of angry customers because we we simply couldn't manage to answer everyone very rapidly you know some some of them didn't get an answer until you know two three weeks later uh, which is a disaster but you know that's what we managed to do so yeah, and I think that's been the, that's certainly been the reality for us in Copenhagen as well. Like the last, that's it's been interesting how uh, a global pandemic is actually, uh, and, and this is going to sound weird, but but so damaging to your brand to some degree, right? Because all of a sudden, the services that that you might kind of pride yourself on doing very well, whether that's customer support or logistics or whatever it might be, it just crashes, right? Um, and it's so, especially we saw a lot of roasteries, uh, at least here in Europe, going over to like, you know, free shipping in times like this. Uh, but then you had free shipping, shipping costs went up. Plus a lot of these postals never arrived as well, right? So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a question whether people actually made any kind of money there, right? But Yeah, I know, I know uh, until now we have refunded close to seven or $8,000 to our customers who haven't received their orders uh, yeah. so. is that is that counting sending um sending out new coffee to them or that's basically a refund no i said no we we decided the you know as when the parcel had, hadn't arrived within six weeks we decided just to give the customer a refund uh they might you know get the parcel in two months we we don't know uh but instead of sending a new coffee, which we wouldn't know if it arrived or not, we decided to refund. I think now the postal service is working quite well again. It's still a little bit delayed, but um, uh, it's it's working much better at the moment. So uh, now we can, you know, we don't get a lot of those emails anymore. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> which is a good thing, right? So we started right in the right in the beginning of the um, or right before COVID nineteen at least hit Oslo. You're out traveling. Lucky enough, you're not, because I know a lot of people that were actually uh, basically stranded at Origin for, for quite a few weeks or even months, right? Both in, in Kenya and Panama, I know. Um, you come back, you get the news, you have to basically strip down your business to the very basics. Um, then you're opening up the store again. Uh, where, where are you today and what have been the kind of improvements uh, and, and continuous challenges from that time to, to today, basically? Well, our store is open as normal again now. Um, of course, the sales is not as it used to be. Normally, uh, during summer, uh, we have a lot of tourists in Oslo. And uh, so normally, we would almost double our uh, sales in the coffee shop during summer. Uh, this summer, it was kind of business as usual, I would say. Like uh, the sales were just like it would be in April or March. Um, so we didn't get all those tourists, but uh, we also decided to have shorter opening hours and, and actually less baristas at work to kind of compensate a little bit for that. But today, now in August, we're back to normal. And uh, of course, the sales is not the same, but uh, at least we are open and we are able to make ends meet, which is, you know, you can't expect your business to, to make a huge profit every year. Like that's not realistic. So as long as we're able to be open and, and make sure our staff has work and are able to please all our regular guests and then fine. And our wholesale is down probably 30, 40% at the moment. So, um, which is, you know, it's okay. Um, the problem is we still have a lot of coffee in, in stock. Fortunately, the pandemic hit before buying season for us. So we could adjust a little bit uh, with the buying, but uh, I also have commitments to the farmers that we buy from. So, 
you know, I yeah, kind I of mean, wanted to buy the same volumes, but um, you know, they understand that I'm not able to do that, that fully as well. But uh, we try to at least as much as we could to buy more or less the same volumes. And especially in in your case, I mean, it, it should be in everyone's cases, but Tavendo as a roastery is very much defined by you know a pretty outstanding green coffee program, right, and a very continuous transparent commitment to to the producers and i talked with with sasa about that as well being that he actually has a, a green coffee importer right and that's been one of the major challenges um to make sure that the farmers are also able to make ends meet on their side right and, and from what i hear talking to a lot of importers as well we see a lot of different structures of purchasing from them as well. So it's pretty clear that importers are buying less than what they've done before. Um, most likely because there's a huge amount of uncertainty in terms of where we're coming, right? But what's been what's been the kind of, like what have you been able to do that to make ends meet both for yourself, but also for the, the farmers that you're working with? Well, uh, for me, it was important to just have the dialogue, you know? Uh, I knew that uh, when we're hit with the pandemic, it also means they're hit with the pandemic. and they're gonna have difficulties. Like uh, most of the farmers I buy, buy from in, in Central America had already finished their harvesting. So for them it was, you know, they just needed to sell the coffee. But for uh, Elias in Colombia, he still needed to pick and process and, and kind of harvest the coffee. And his problem was getting enough manpower. So um, for me, it was has always been important to have a dialogue with the farmers that we buy from and uh, kind of, uh, have a dialogue about how much they can expect us to buy and also for what price. So we have actually agreed that um, uh, I, I, yeah, I've been buying slightly less from uh, most of them, uh, but just slightly. Uh, let's say from from uh, Nascimento, for instance, I would normally buy 120 bags maybe. Maybe this year I bought 110 or something. And also with Colombia, I would predict that I was buying 120 bags and I'll probably buy somewhere between 80 and 100. So we went slightly down on volumes. Um, and also we agreed on a slightly lower pr price. So for instance, with Nascimento, I think normally I pay $5.50 per pound. And this year we decided, or we agreed that I would pay $5, uh, you know, because we've kind of uh, been paying a good price for them for years. and they understand that they also need to help us through this <laughs> this uh, period so that we we can kind of try to sell them more coffee for a good price and also the dollar was extremely expensive for uh, compared to the norwegian crown so uh, yeah it's been a very very challenging year in terms of buying green coffee because uh, you know even if you pay the same price to the farmer it was all of a sudden 20 30% more expensive because of the dollar exchange rate so uh, hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's been challenging, but uh, for me, it's important that you know, uh, especially in these times, that you don't just uh, say goodbye to the farmer and say I'll be back next year. You know, it's so important to have a dialogue with them and and so that they understand the situation from my side and and that uh, I can also understand the situation from their side, and then we can agree upon how do we solve this problem together. You know, instead of just being it, one person saying. I'm canceling all the coffee. See you next year. You know, so um, I think that's important. And also, when I know that I'm not going to buy all the coffee, at least trying to help them get in touch with other buyers that could p 
potentially buy some coffee. Mm. What has been the so uh, when you say that you're you're ordering um, less coffee then right is that uh, because you're unsure of how much volume you're going to sell in the future or a reflection on the fact that you have overstocked then from from the previous season? Uh, it's more of the sales prediction. So at the moment, uh, our 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 kind of production is down with uh, about a ton per month. So we would normally produce around four tons a month, and now we're down to like three tons a month. So um, uh, based on that, and I don't know, I've been quite good at kind of projecting what we're going to sell for the last uh, year. So it's never been like we bought way too much coffee. We had a little bit too much from last year, but not much like we were, if the pandemic hadn't hit us, we would have... probably had a little bit too little coffee. So um, um, instead of being tight, we had a little bit too much. So I, I understood this quite early. So that I decided to actually put some coffees on sale uh, just to kind of try to get the volumes up uh, in the web shop. And uh, it actually helped quite a lot. So we were able to sell a lot of uh, roasted coffee to consumers for like a uh, wholesale price. And um, mm. And uh, because a lot of them had home office, so you know why shouldn't they enjoy good coffee at home? And uh, thank thanks uh, for all our customers who ordered the coffee, but it made uh, made it much easier to kind of transition into new crop coffees. We're still kind of maybe a month behind, I would say, in terms of what we normally should be in terms of releasing new coffees. But uh, it's okay, you know, the coffees are mm. tasting good, so I'm not worried. <laughs> You, you mentioned before, and and um, basically all the roasters I've been talking to has been saying the same thing, where they see a pretty clear shift where the amount of retail you're selling, especially online, then but of course in your physical store as well, it's just kind of increasing. Um, and is that how, how has that been? Has that been a big challenge, or has your company always been kind of able to deal with or, or going towards online sales anyway in the past? Yeah, no, for us it's been... I mean, we've always been selling a lot online and also uh, in the store, especially. So uh, it was just a matter of trying to keep up a little bit. Um, uh, we had to have an extra person in the roastery to just manage to pack all the orders and stuff, which normally we would just do during the day. One of the office guys would do it. So, um, But uh, I think for us, the biggest challenge was that we also uh, changed our website and the kind of back uh, back uh, back end of the website to a new system just a couple of weeks before the pandemic hit okay. and uh, as you probably know from uh, your own website there's always some issues in the beginning things not working you know perfectly uh, we know that it will be much better you know but it takes normally about a year to kind of figure out all, all these tiny details that you need to Kind of sort out and reprogram and uh, so we're still in that process and it's been a nightmare especially in the beginning because there was so many bugs that we needed to fix and some of it weren't in our control it was you know sometimes you have a third party programmers that you know are not doing a good job and so that's yeah. actually been the biggest challenge for us the selling to consumers has always been a big focus for us and in Norway a lot of I would say most people who are interested in coffee uh, are are buying, you know, high quality coffee once a week or you know, 
it's not like a every now and then it's it's a regular thing for people so i know that a lot of our competitors also sell a lot of coffee both online and in their stores have you seen uh, when when we say increase in terms of online and in store? Does that translate also to your to your other products? Like you had the the cup series with Figio, you you know you the AeroPress distributor in in Norway, I believe, and a few other products, Wolf of course. Is that also picking up uh, with the beans as well, or is it mainly beans? Not proportionally, for sure. But uh, of course, when people buy a bag of coffee and they see a nice cup, they might add that to the order. But uh, no, mainly it's been. The coffee that has increased quite a lot, and uh, yeah, it's it's been uh, very nice. I think we also focused a little bit. It's, I haven't done it in a little while now, but we also try to do like uh, brewing Q and Q and A's on Instagram, and especially during the kind of lockdown period where a lot of people were home and they had time to kind of be on Instagram and stuff. But we we saw a lot of Instagram live sessions, um, just just in general, right? And and I I think that's definitely is is um, you know has gone away a bit now. Um, hopefully that will come back. I think it's is one of those um, things that I think makes a lot of sense. Um, it makes sense to do thing, more things online in general. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if that has a carryover. Sasa mentioned um, in the previous episode that he has a, had a lot of ideas on, on changing his whole wholesale structure or communication to be a lot more video-based than before as well, right? So some positive things coming out of it as well. Yeah, I think so. And one of the best things for me is that uh, I have kind of decided to never have physical meetings ever again. <laughs> Unless it's really necessary. And that's just because uh, a lot of the meetings that I have uh, here in Norway uh, with other Norwegian companies or, you know, it's, it's not necessary to meet in person. It, it's easy to do the meeting online and you save so much time. You know, one person doesn't have to travel to the other person's office and you don't have to go through all the kind of 15 minute chit chat about nothing. Uh, so for me, it's normally my, my week days are very very hectic because i normally travel a lot and of course now it's different but uh, i realized i could save a lot of time and be much more efficient if i just kind of say no to meetings and and do them online instead is that something you see your your sourcing or kind of farm visits being able to translate to as well in the future well uh, to be honest i've been kind of planning from day one that you know uh, I, I don't want to travel to Origin every single year uh, unless I really have to. And, and fortunately, I've come to a place where in Colombia and in Honduras and El Salvador, uh, I don't really need to be there for them to do a good job. You know? They, they know what to do now. We, we have kind of talked about so many things and implemented so many good routines there. So I don't have to kind of go and babysit what they're doing in order to kind of make sure that they do the processing that I like and so on. So, and I've been going there, you know, it's also a personal thing. Like uh, we have good relations and you, you want to kind of visit your friends and mm. there's, there's a lot of detail when you go to the farm and just hang out with the farmers. And there's a lot of details that you don't talk about during an online meeting or something, but in order to buy coffee, I, I don't really need to go to origin to get the coffees that I, I'm buying because I'm buying from the same partners that I have for many years and they know what I like and how to process the coffees that I like and they can easily just send samples. And So Colombia is an example now that, uh, you know, 
I haven't been there since February, and uh, Elias is just sending me samples, and I'll buy it based on that, and that's it. And of course, we communicate uh, every now and then on online. And so, uh, if he has any questions, or you know, I have any questions, or probably we will have to take like a virtual coffee farm tour next year and to talk about stuff, but. Yeah, for sure, and and which is actually I've seen I've seen that coming up on on people's agendas also, as in like tech companies are looking into it because uh, you know VR is technically becoming a thing as well. So there's something we we might very well see, but uh, we have a very that would be very cool, and we have a very similar uh, situation. I think like we have a lot of our farmers and producers that are simply sending us videos with updates, um, and that's also really interesting, right? Obviously, as as you say as well, there there's some things you can't see unless you're there. Um, but as you know, again, coming back to one of the, the standouts with Tim and as a company is that your relationships with the producers are very solid, are very genuine and, and very long term. Right. So then you can trust what's behind the scene and you can can focus on what's kind of new for this harvest and, and see what's going on. Right. I was actually discussing with uh, Moises and Marisabel when I was there that, uh, you know, maybe next year I will not do the trip Basically, because uh, we we have to start thinking about how much we travel and you know it, it, the yeah. impact it has on the environment and what if it's not you know 100 necessary for me to go then yeah it's nice to go but I, I don't probably have to go every year you know so I think it just uh, I hope that that you know people will start thinking about how much they travel and if it's really necessary you know. <laughs> Oh, and it's been, a, I mean, it's a perfect time for, for that kind of reflection, right? And, and also streamlining a lot of processes, both kind of at home and also um, also obviously traveling, right? And I'm curious as to, like, we obviously touched on it a bit, but are you able to, to do some kind of um, almost bullet point structures of, you know, what's been the, what's been the biggest challenges? Uh, what's been the most important lessons here? Have you actually learned something new? Uh, is is Timendibu as a company going to do something that it hasn't done uh, before COVID nineteen, um, or you know, is it kind of business as usual from from now on? I think uh, if anything, COVID nineteen uh, kind of reconfirmed that what we are doing is the right thing for our company. So it just made us focus even more on the things that we are focusing on, and you know that's trying to make the best possible coffee and trying to make it easy for consumers to enjoy that coffee, whether it's at home or in a coffee shop or in a restaurant, you know. Um, and, you know, for, for me, it's not just uh, the trying to have the best possible product, but also the best possible service. And, and that's been quite uh, critical for our business to be able to sell so much coffee that, you know, people know that even if there's a problem with the shipping, we will help them and take care of it, uh, even though we might reply very late. <laughs> you know, um, that's the kind of uh, service that I want to give. And, and I think because of that, people come back to us and, and continue buying our coffee. So um, I, know, you know, I, I know that we don't always have the most exciting geishas and anaerobic stuff. And, uh, but I, you know, that's also a lot of our customers don't want that they just want really mm. sweet nice clean coffees and, and good service and they want it to be easy to prepare and and uh, so yeah if anything it's been re reconfirming that what we're doing is 
kind of it's actually made us focus even more on ourselves as a business and I'm starting to say no to a lot of other kind of distractions. Yeah. Which has always been my problem. I always say yes to stuff and then I regret it afterwards because it's you, it steals so much of your time that you should be spending focusing on your own company. Listen, I think it's been a, it's that's been a personal lesson for myself in this as well. I like to believe that we always were, were able to kind of focus and be relatively straightforward with with what we do, but as you say, it's very easy to be distracted, right? And if anything, as you say as well, your your first vacation in a long time now during COVID nineteen, like it's it's been an opportunity to also reflect on that and kind of come out um, focusing more on on what's you know what's the core reason for why people are are purchasing from us. And how can we make that stronger rather than, um, you know, doing what everyone else is doing, right? Like on the, the subject of this anaerobic or funky geisha, that's a good example, right? Because the, the, the funny thing is that it's, it's, I mean, that's becoming so, like, first of all, most of them doesn't taste good. Secondly, it's becoming so common now, right? So it's, I think the, the and I, I'm positive we're going to see a big decline in it for 2021 because those coffees are usually also extremely expensive or unproportionally expensive, right? And I don't think we're moving into a time where that's going to be sustainable uh, to do anymore as well, right? So um, I'm a strong believer that COVID-19 has, or if we look at pandemics in the past, uh, which I know I said many times the last months, but um, what it does is that it highlights or it speeds up the processes that are already in place, right? So if your company is moving in a certain direction, it's going to come there faster, right? So if April did really bad things before COVID-19, COVID-19 will showcase that, uh, basically smacking you in the face. Or if you did something really good, um, COVID-19 will bring that out as well, right? So it's, it's a proof of, of concept in some way, right? Which which to some degree is a good thing to have, even if you perhaps or definitely didn't want it in this kind of format, right? Yeah. Um, it's, um, it's, it's still a challenge, of course. Um, let's see if we can, we can broaden this. And this is usually kind of a big point when I ask this question. And to some degree, even though, you know, I think believe very much in focusing on what we're doing now, I think that's the important part. Um, again, we, we call this coffee with COVID-19, not coffee post-COVID-19, because I'm still... But this is going to stick around for a while, right? The, the fastest time historically humans have ever come up with a vaccine is four and a half years. And even that vaccine wasn't very good, to be fair, right? So like, it seems like we're going to we stick with this reality for quite some time. But what do you, like, not just for, for Temendable, but also just in general, like, where do you see this whole industry going? Do you see any clear changes? Will it be, will it ever be business as usual? Or has business fundamentally changed uh, both as a grocery, green coffee buyer, and, and, and coffee shop? Well, I think, um, first of all, I think uh, it will definitely clean out the economically unsustainable businesses. So, you know, it has been maybe too many businesses opening, doing the same thing, and not just in coffee, but also like beer breweries and other stuff. And you see it here in Oslo restaurants, you know, we had a, like a boom of uh, restaurants opening and now we're seeing them shut down because their business model wasn't sustain sustainable economically. Mm. And especially now during a pandemic where you can have only half the time amount of guests because you need to keep a distance and so on. It's even worse. So, um, yeah, it's hard to say. I think uh, <laughs> the industry 
like some of the stuff that I enjoyed the least was like trade shows and all these kind of things. Uh, I think the industry has to renew itself. Uh, it has been based on uh, a lot of kind of, uh, I think, you know, uh, at least for, for me as a grocery owner, you could kind of waste your time traveling and going to trade shows and, and actually do a lot of stuff that doesn't really help your business at all. And um, I think that has to change, you know. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think we need to look at new ways of doing uh, these kind of interactions, whether it's symposiums or like we don't, we don't really have to have 300 or 13,000 people flying into a city just to look at some espresso machines, you know. <laughs> And I think those kind of things will have to change, like fairs and stuff like that. But um, in terms of uh, the trade, I don't think, uh, I'm not sure if uh, recent pandemics or have changed the coffee trade or trade in, in historically, I don't know. But um, it's hard to say, actually. I don't really know <laughs> the answer to it. Yeah, I think that's a very difficult question, right? And, and to some degree, change change always happens, right? Just in, in baby steps. So they may not be as, as uh, prevalent as you want them to be, right? But um, it's it's clear that it's... I mean, we, we see some direct changes in that, like some companies have been definitely making decisions to do some new things. A April started a coffee store, uh, which, to be fair, I would never have done unless COVID-19 happened. Because um, it, it's it's a way for me to connect more with the kind of local local industry, um, but it's obviously a question I think a lot about myself in terms of you know should you change anything? Because I think the interesting for me when interesting thing for me when I look back at this, uh, and I had a lot of people I talked to during the crisis and, and, and mentors and so on and. The reality is that April never changed anything. As in, like, I haven't done one single change uh, in the company, apart from the store, as in, like, I opened a store. Uh, but we were so tiny as a company, uh, and I still argue that the, the, small, the smaller the company, probably the better you have um, navigated this, as in, it, it's not going to hit you that much, right? We buy less coffee, we have fewer employees. Um, April at the, the time of the quarantine had three employees, basically three full-time employees, right? And all of those were staffed, um, all of those had money, all of those had salary. We basically worked as per usual, just separately, right? Um, and we were going out of the pandemic with, with six employees, uh, a store and, and some new stuff happening, right? But um, I'm, I'm always very cautious as well to, to reacting to things that we don't really know where it's gonna head, right? I think my my maybe concern is that I'm I'm curious as to if this will have a more long term effect on green coffee quality because uh, I feel um, like you and me had talked about a bit about Kenya this season as well, but also some a few other origins where I feel the coffee quality um, at least in African countries are not getting better. Let's put it like that. Like I feel that in 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 some cases that quality has been much higher. Like the increase of quality in Central America has been um, more evident than in, for example, Kenya or Ethiopia for me. Um, and I'm wondering if that's, we're going to see... Um, I'm not sure um, if I agree completely. I, I understand what you mean, but, uh, you know, I think uh, 
just to have a comment on that, I think, you know, in, especially in Central America, there's a lot of kind of more farmers who are well off, you know, they come from a wealthy family or they have education or, and for them, it's easier to do all these kind of crazy coffees and, and invest in the farm and do, do stuff that is not necessarily paying off right away, but maybe in the, in the long run will give them, you know, huge profits. Whereas in, uh, for a smallholder farmer in either Colombia or, or in Africa, it's, it's much more difficult to, to kind of get to that point. Uh, I actually think in Ethiopia that, uh, although this year I was a little unlucky with the coffees that I'm buying because the, there was just so much rain in the region that I'm buying from that they were unable to process the coffee well. But um, mm. I saw from the south that the quality was great, you know, and you see now Capo Excellence coming in, uh, government opening for more smallholder farmers to sell directly. That, you know, that that's huge uh, steps in uh, the right direction, I think. And it's only a matter of time before, uh, you know, they're going to outcompete any coffee origin, I think, on quality. Yeah, it might not be... Uh, you know they have so many more farmers than yeah. for instance in central america so you know percentage wise it might be much less farmers who are going to be at that level but we will see it for sure because especially in ethiopia where the, you know there's such a, their entrepreneurship is <laughs> is next to none i think you know yeah for but, sure, um, sure. yeah I, i'm actually quite optimistic when it comes to quality there in kenya it's a different story because you know there's other uh, kind of wheels in motion there where real estate is becoming very expensive and uh, urbanization is a big thing very close to where the coffee is grown and, you know so um, <laughs> who knows what the future will bring but um, I think also there you will see more and more specialized farmers it's just a matter of time before it happens I think Interesting. So you're you're in in, uh, in general very positive in terms of the outlook of what we're going to see from from especially Ethiopia, right? Yeah, uh, I think so. You... And and I think you know coffee quality doesn't have to suffer. The I don't see any reason why it should suffer from an origin kind of perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only way that I see it suffering is that companies on our side are starting to want to buy cheaper coffees, which probably is happening already. Yes. Well, I know it's happening already. But uh, I also see, like in Norway, uh, I know for a fact that the, you know, the the kind of more premium coffees in the supermarket had a tremendous increase in sales during the lockdown, and I'm yeah. talking about like uh, private label brands that uh, are roasted by Solberg and Hansen and Kaffa, uh, which are good roasteries, and uh, they're roasting good quality coffees, and when you buy them in the supermarket, they're reasonably fresh and they're whole beans. And uh, the sales for that just, you know, grew with like two, three hundred percent. For sure. We saw the same thing here. I think that's been one of the like from a from a financial perspective, that's been one of the big, big lessons that put your coffee in a supermarket to some degree. If you're if you're able to or if, or if that is the path you want to go down. Right. Uh, which is maybe a bit different. Right. But it's been it's definitely been a segment of the industry that seems to have been doing extremely well. Um, here in Copenhagen, it's been like people have been like supermarkets have been basically calling up roasteries asking, "Do we have coffee?" Right? Um, which have been uh, which have been very interesting, right? But I'm I'm definitely concerned in the sense that um, as you kind of touched on as well, that I believe we're buying we're going to buy cheaper coffees. Um, I believe it's going to be fewer people that wants to. 
um, really pay for, um, let's say, an outstanding quality. Um, and I also believe that that quality is already hard to, to some degree, justify financially. As and there's there's always been a detachment between what your kind of target group um, evaluates as quality, right? As in, like you say that this is, let's say the the Cabello Geisha, or like we buy quite a lot of coffee from Geisha Village this season as well. And I'm very interested to see if that kind of coffee is going to be able to move the way that it has in the past. Uh, and if these kind of house coffees, um, none of us really do house espresso blends here um, at Tim or, or April, but, um, you know, will that, would that kind of coffee go down in quality? Because for me, that's really interesting because that's where the real volume is. If you look at roasteries, especially around Europe, right? Um, which, I mean, time will tell. I have no clue. Um, but it's going to be really interesting to kind of follow and see uh, what comes out of that. Um, where are we now? So do we have any last points you want to take before we, uh, before we wrap it up? Is there anything you, that comes to mind that you want to share? Yeah, I think uh, one of the most difficult part about uh, the whole pandemic is that I lost a very good friend to Corona, actually. Yeah. Gilberto Barona, the farmer. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, I was in El Salvador at his farm when this pandemic kind of broke out and we were talking about it and it just feels so unreal that he's gone. Uh, so mm. that's been the most difficult thing for me. Uh, I also almost lost another friend and farmer that I work with. Hopefully he, oh, thankfully he survived, but uh, mm. he was very close, uh, his whole family actually. So, mm. You know, we can sit here in uh, our little protected uh, roastery and and talk about uh, how everything is actually not going so bad as we thought, but uh, uh, it's it's not necessarily us that is the problem or has the most uh, impact here. It's uh, yeah. a lot of uh, communities uh, where they're not able to kind of have the same kind of protection that we have, and in both economically and health health wise, I think that's been the hardest part and also difficult to kind of really realize as a person how serious this pandemic is until you kind of have someone close to you actually you know disappearing when they're sure well, i think that's been the you know that's that's that has been the main challenge for for everyone and as, as we talked a bit about before we we started this recording as well as the fact that people are traveling again right people are going on vacation at, at different parts around the world right and and it is i mean um, as you say, there's a much, much greater personal social value uh, that is being hurt by this pandemic than any kind of financial business value will ever be hurt, right? Yeah. And it's I think, very important to understand that there's, you know, people first, and then we deal with, with business and money later, right? Um, and it's it's important not to lose track on that, right? Which I think, um, as, as you've been saying as well in this episode, where you know, finding different ways to have meetings, finding different ways to travel, um, and, and prioritize people's health and well-being before uh, business, right? I mean, it, it's, if, if anything has become tremendously clear during this time, it would be that, right? Because um, it's, um, it's always going to be so much more important than, um, than our, you know, financial health, right? Like, you know, a company can deal with not having profit for a, year, for a few years. You know, a company can deal with a lot of things, right? Um, 
But um, when, when we lose some of the best people we have in the industry, I haven't myself been to Diego Bartos Pharma, been to Salvador, but not visiting him, but we've been buying his coffees as well. And uh, I mean, that's, um, that's definitely the, the, the more damaging part, right? Um, yeah, it's terrible. And it just shows, you know, even if you're a healthy person yourself and you're not worried about getting sick from COVID, you know, there's a lot of other people who are dying from it. So yeah, you can be a potential carrier of the virus and a super spreader or whatever. And it's a matter of respecting other people's lives. <laughs> For me, that's uh, kind of probably the most important thing to remember in this uh, pandemic is that you have to take it seriously, even if you don't kind of think that everything is necessary to do. You know, there's a reason why the authorities are, you know, uh, recommending now to use the masks and, you know, washing your hands and keeping a distance and, you know, it's, it's to protect other people's lives. That's, that's why we do this. It's not, uh, it's not to make uh, your life inconvenient, you know. <laughs> and uh, also, like, also to protect smaller businesses from, or, and also big businesses and people's jobs. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think we have, we, you, the, the th last thing to kind of remember is that this thing is much bigger than yourself as a person. So you have to kind of take part of it and do as good as you can to, to help it kind of pass as soon as possible. Absolutely. Right. That's part of, you know, that that's part of why we sitting here having this, this conversation as well. Right. Whereas we need to um, share our experience and, and thoughts and lessons uh, through this so that again, as, as, as you with your story about you about those, well, that people hopefully realize the sincerity of this. Right. Um, and also take into account the, um, the human aspect of it, right? Which again, like, I'm, which I've been victim of early on in this process of forgetting myself, right? Because I haven't, like, the first weeks in or even the first month, uh, you know, going through March to April, I, it's so hard to relate to it, right? Because, yeah. to be fair, it also never happened to us, right? It's the yeah. first time in in our lifetime we've been through this, and um, it is really time. I mean, we I see that a lot in the in the coffee competition community, and I've been been yelling at my April athletes several times about this as well, actually, because they've been so angry about not having a world championship going to yeah. to go to. Right? And I mean, that's life. Utter, <laughs> utterly, yeah, bullshit, right? I mean, complete bullshit. Which we've been saying as well. We actually kicked a few of them out as well because of that. But it's, it's I mean, it's, it's important, right? Um, because we, uh, we want to all be, you know, sustainable, human, happy human beings moving into this, right? Moving into the future and, and to some degree learning to, to live with this. Um, I think that's a great, it's a great note to actually lead this on, which is not the happiest note, but the, the more sincere and the more kind of real side of this, which is what we need to take with us, right? Like COVID-19 is, is taking some really, really good people away from us. And it's in all of our interests, both as businesses and, and people to make sure that we minimize that number as much as we can, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, fo focus on that first and get angry over shipping later, right? Yeah, exactly. I think that's a, that's a good way to kind of wrap it up. Um, thank you very much for your Tim, uh, for your time. I know you're always uh, you're a busy guy, and I respect the fact that you you take time to to allow me to talk. All of a sudden, I have a lot of time, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's uh, no, I really appreciate it, and I know the people that are going to tune into this are really going to appreciate it as well, for sure. Thanks for thank having me. Thank you very me. much. Thank you for listening. This product has been brought to you by April Media, which is an unfiltered view on the coffee industry powered by our Patreon supporters. 
Uh, we would love it if you share these episodes, subscribe to our channels. And if you want to be a part of building this, please join our Patreon. Thank you again.